Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented time where your individual liberties are being handed over in the name of a government safety net or for the common good. You're tired of being told what you're allowed to say, how to live your life, or how to raise your kids. And so are we. We are the Break the Bell Podcast, and we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. Join us weekly as we invade your ear holes with all the insanity that's going on in the world and expose the corrupt system that is hell-bent on keeping the power from you. You can check out Break the Bell every Monday night, streaming live on YouTube, or listen wherever you can find podcasts. Check out Break the Bell, and most importantly, never stop talking. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. All right, Fact Check This Podcast. And today I invited Mark back to join me since we're going to be talking about burning books or no, uh, banning books. Whatever, same difference in uh, today's climate. And since we've had this conversation about books in the past, it seemed only, only appropriate that if I was going to be talking about books, I should have Mark back on. Mark, how's your how's your day going? It's not going too bad. The worst part of my day was just five minutes ago when I was trying to enter the stream, and I did, and then all of a sudden my computer collapsed on me, and you missed a perfect opportunity to screenshot <laughs> screenshot a nice little pic for our, for our episode here. And a word of advice for anybody recording an episode or recording an interview. Hit record early. That way you can right at the beginning. That way, before the guest even shows up for the stream, just go ahead and hit record. That way you get all of the all of the comedic gold on the front end before they realize that that it's being recorded. And, and that's the nice thing about StreamYard. Is StreamYard doesn't tell you that I'm recording. It uh, it just lets it happen. Whereas if we were doing this on Zoom, it, it would be, it would tell you that we're we're being recorded. All right, so today we are going to talk about this lovely article from USA Today, but it's only for USA Today subscribers, so I've got it pulled up via Yahoo to uh, circumvent the rules and regulations of uh, paying a subscription on stuff. A common thing that we do on our shows. Uh, Which will not land us in jail because Yahoo is the one who paid for this instead of us and now we just have to deal with Yahoo's advertisements, which <laughs> tell us about your experience with the, it wasn't Yahoo. It was a, you had the, the original link from MSN. Uh, tell us about your experience with the advertisements there, Mark, since that was apparently a. No, it was um, the advertisement. The advertisements were a little out of, were crazy and were in the way too, but <clears throat> The first it's the first paragraph of the article I clicked on. What I was telling, I think what you're getting at is I clicked on the link for I think this does the author um work for this I don't know what it is, propaganda machine called it, it gets better or someone who's interviewed in the article works for it. And I clicked on that link and the very first picture is a woman or a man who appears to be Stacey Abrams. I don't think they're Stacey Abrams, <laughs> but just picture Stacey Abrams in transition. Either maybe Stacey Abrams was a man and this is the end product we're seeing in Georgia now, or else just imagine her deciding she wants to become a man and what that might look like in that middle period. And that's what I saw first when I clicked on the link and it was terrifying. 
hopefully I'll lay out a good enough picture for the audience. Oh, so let's see. It gets better. There we go. Oh my gosh, it didn't wasn't there. I can't find the uh, the Stacey Abrams anywhere. No. That's some crazy hair though. Hmm. I promise I'm not making any of this up, but she was there and now she's gone. Thank God. These other people don't look much better though. <laughs> All right. So there you go. The It Gets Better project for anybody who's curious. <laughs> That's where I said they don't look better. Okay. It gets better. It says it gets better, not they look better. Oh, okay. All right. So, so books are being banned from schools. And see, I really expected this. I was, uh, I was disappointed in this article, honestly. Yeah. When you sent this over to me, I got about three paragraphs in and I was like, I hope Justin doesn't like this article because I, I, I already hate it. <laughs> Yeah, so I was expecting this to be more of a legitimate book banning type of an article, especially when you see like books are being banned from school libraries. Here's what that does to students. I thought they were going to talk about like actual uh, historically relevant books that are being banned. Like I'm sure you've seen the thing about uh, Mouse, M-A-U-S. It's like a graphic novel style book that was being banned in somewhere, some, some school system in Tennessee was banning it. Uh, my son has read it. I've read it whenever he had checked it out from our, from the school library. Like it's, it's really good. And it, uh, it does a really effective job of kind of explaining the Holocaust and the rise of Nazism and everything in a, cartoonish graphic novel way with cats and mice as the, as the characters. And it's a, it's an interesting interpretation and adaptation of what happened leading up to, uh, like I said, the rise of Nazism and, and concentration camps and everything, the, the Holocaust it's, and it, it does a very good job. I, I, so I didn't understand why, that was getting banned in, especially in the state of Tennessee, which is for all intents and purposes, pretty uh, conservative of a state. Like I would think that that would be, I, I don't, I didn't understand what the reasoning was. And it was something about depiction of violence or, or something like that. But, but I mean, how, how else are you going to teach that type of a history lesson without depicting it or explaining it in some way? So like, I thought this was going to go into more of, that type of book banning type thing. Yeah. And they did not. This is a almost exclusively woke progressive article in pretty much every sense of the word. Um, it talks about yeah, the banning. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot about the, the whole mouse thing. I never even, I've never read of it. I never even had heard of it until like that came down what, last week or so. So I can't speak too much to that, but yeah, this article, like I said, I got like three paragraphs in and I kind of saw maybe what they were, what they're attempting here, like with the, the uptick in censorship and canceling, obviously we don't need to get into the Joe Rogan controversy, but with that all like 
in the it's at the top of the news cycle right now. I think this article maybe comes out, obviously also inspired by the mouse thing, but also as a way for people on the left to go, well, see, the right is banning things too. And of course, like the whole premise of the article is built around uh, LGBT books being banned in schools or how they were in the past. And the author or the, the person that the author is uh, talking about in the article is talking about how he didn't have access to materials that related to him and whatnot when he was in school and how that's still something that goes on in schools today. So like you said, and they do like mention in like one sentence in this article about, oh yeah, and the, the left does just ban books too. Like we, <laughs> like they went after Dr. Seuss a few months ago. And it, it, it's kind of like that whole like weighty thing where it's like, yeah, we're, the right is banning books that are causing kids to commit suicide in school. And the right is complaining about Dr. Seuss being. So it, it's, it's a huge like skewed article, of course. One of the things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about this article is it uh, like it keeps on acting like some of these books being banned is the reason that the LGBTQ plus high school students have uh, depression, that they have higher suicide rates, that they have all of these problems and stuff. Uh, like, never mind the the very well cataloged mental illness that comes along with most of that community. I I, I mean, I I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but like there is pretty rampant mental illness that, that, that is a part of that community. And to pretend that schools banning books is plays some like significant role in that is, Absolutely insane, especially when did you did you happen to do any like extra research and look at like the the books that are being listed as the ones that are being banned from this? Like, uh, I did not have the stomach. <laughs> See, just for the listeners, I forced myself to go and look some of this stuff up, and so like all boys aren't blue. Uh, some of these other some of these other books that are listed multiple times throughout the throughout the article uh these are not these are not kids books like they're not intended for uh they're not intended for high school age like if and if they were deliberately written for high school aged kids uh that was a poor marketing choice like they're this is very adult content type stuff and like the the reasoning for a lot of these being removed from high school curriculums and from high school libraries and stuff like that has very little to do or in most cases nothing to do with the lgbtq stuff it's because of the extremely and excessively graphic nature of what is being talked about in these books like that stuff's not for kids uh so like that, that, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Cause it's, it's like, they're portraying this as some attack on the LGBTQ community when it's uh, the reason that these are being removed from, from some of these libraries is because 
because of the extremely graphic nature of the books. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's like a, a reaction against the the energy um, that we've been seeing over the country as far as like parents like wanting not wanting their kids to be propagandized in this this kind of garbage. Which, like, I'm not. Um, my very unlibertarian take is like <laughs> I have like a value hierarchy, right? Like, so if I have a kid that's going to school, I don't want them subject to these books either. So I'm actually like two years ago, I wouldn't have said this, but I'm okay with certain things like this being banned from like, I don't want sixth graders reading like boy on boy graphic sexual scenes, right? <laughs> this is, this is not good for, for kids. Like, again, if you turn 18 and this is the shit that you want to get into, then go ahead. But like, there's a difference between kids being subject to this and I don't know what, <laughs> what other like, like Dr. Seuss or whatever. Right. And like, um, there were multiple references also throughout this that talked about, uh, oh gosh, that's horrible. Oh, see, I have, scroll, tomorrow. I have to scroll quick. Um, what was the name of the beloved? There it is. Um, have you did you look at that any i was i was going to that was the one that kind of caught my eye i wanted to look into that but i'm assuming you did yeah so beloved is based on a supposedly true story and i guess there were actually like newspaper clippings from the time when it when it happened so it seems to be it seems to check out fairly well uh but a historical event where a slave had escaped into the North during uh, post-compromise of 1850, which if you want to look at the compromises of 1820, 1850, some of these other compromises, I actually did an episode on that uh, several months ago with C.D. McRae. We, we went through all of the compromises leading up to the Civil War and had a good conversation about that. Uh, but a part of the compromise of 1850 was that any escaped slave who had fled to the North could be reclaimed and had to be taken back to to their owner um and so there was a story of this escaped slave who killed her daughter or killed her like killed a small child to spare them from having to return to a life of slavery mm -hmm. um it was it was this is based off of a true story or this is right that okay. so beloved is based on that story and that story is supposedly true there are there are newspaper clippings to corroborate that but that's also during a like how much of that is propaganda and how much of that is true at the time that it happened is uh who knows I, like I, i'm not aware that there's any anything beyond the newspaper clippings to corroborate the story, but we'll take it at a space value and say that it is true. Um, so beloved is based on that story. And it talks about that being banned in a, like multiple parts of this article. I have not, maybe I'm looking at the wrong, looking in the wrong places. I have not found anything indicating that that book has been banned anywhere at any point. So uh, like that, that seems kind of, Ridiculous, but we do know for a fact that the left has tried to ban Tom Sawyer. Uh, they've tried to ban Huckleberry Finn. 
They have tried to ban To Kill a Mockingbird. They have tried to ban Dr. Seuss books. That like they have tried to ban a, a multitude of historical uh, or you know historically good works uh, that are I don't know kind of staples of of American literature. Uh, 1984 has recently been given a trigger warning by I want to say it was like the London uh, or the United Kingdom has uh yeah what exactly is the the trigger warning on this <laughs> so some of what you might find in this book will look exactly like what we're going through now but just know this was this was fake back then and it is now <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's effectively what the trigger warning that was put on 1984 was is that uh reading this might cause you to feel things <laughs> like that's kind of the kind of the point uh Doggone it, I cleaned off my bookshelves in preparation for this move, and now I don't have all of them to to just reference back to. Uh, but there are a bunch of other books that have been banned or, or received similar treatment historically. And it's typically not... Uh, so, like, I guess everybody kind of remembers when Harry Potter got pushed back against in the early 2000s well maybe you don't because you would have been too young was this the like the whole witchcraft argument yes okay so at that time at that time you know the the extremely religious conservatives uh group of our sect of the republican party was all about canceling anything and everything that was anti-religious or that could be perceived as uh bad in like any way and then that kind of faded out because it was fucking ridiculous mm -hmm. and then with the obama presidency now then you entered the new age of cancellation and everything with the left and their ridiculous extremist canceling anything that was racist or whatever and that hasn't ended though. I mean, that's like you said, like we don't, you know, we don't want to go into the Rogan thing necessarily, but just look at what's come up here, you know, recently with all of the Rogan episodes that got released or that got removed from Spotify, like a uh, completely out of context video of a, just a tirade of Rogan saying the N word that, you know, yeah. If you just listen to that over and over and over again, okay, that, sounds bad but if you actually listen to the context of the story or of the conversations that are being had there yeah and it's, it's, it's been pointed out yeah it's been pointed out this has already been pointed out too but it's important to reiterate that rogan th these old episodes resurface not because they want to cancel him because he quoted the n-word or said it in a joke or whatever i mean it's coming out because they don't like what he's putting out in regards to covid and racism is the, the ultimate trump card so had to go back and find that as a way to discredit rogan which kind of goes to show like why you know certain institutions are able to choose which books can be banned and which ones need not be banned um it definitely goes along with the current political climate that we're in and i mean maybe there was there was more of a uh religious right um influence back during the Harry Potter days or whatever. I've never actually read Harry Potter, so I don't know 
much about <laughs> much about the the truth behind witchcraft. I've heard other people make arguments that there are like deeply Christian themes, um, but there are some there are some people who wanted to like go after Lord of the Rings at one point because they thought that was anti-Christian when it's actually <laughs> very Christian themed. Um, and now I think what you're seeing, since it is super Christian themed and this we, we've got this new TV show coming out, like it's it, Lord of the Rings is essentially going to get canceled or reformulated into a more, I guess, woke message from the, from what I've been seeing about the promotional materials coming out for this new show. And then I saw this article on medium about how, no, there definitely is not Christian themes in Lord of the Rings. Like this was the title of the article. It was like, do you know, have you read anything about the actual author of Lord of the Rings? Pretty right. sure. Have you ever heard of J.R.R. Tolkien or like <laughs> read anything about him? Like, he, yeah, he so was, this is, this like to me is the worst. Influence in getting C.S. Lewis to do what C.S. Lewis did. Like, yeah. <laughs> this to me is like the worst kind of like, like worse than book banning is completely re, re-theming or like reformulating these old classics into it's things ba- that the original You can call authors. it what it is. It's completely bastardizing what, yeah. it, what it is and what it was and what it was always intended to be. That's right. Yeah. And the people who are right now who are trying to bastardize uh, these classics are also trying to dictate which books are okay to ban and which ones are kind of like, eh, they're being goofy for complaining about that being banned. Well, like, and typically when you look at like the list of traditionally historically banned books, uh, none of this LGBTQ stuff really has much to do with the banned book list. Usually it's stuff that gets, that has like we're talking and, I, and I'm talking world over more so than like here in the U S uh, most of the stuff here in the U S that's been banned, at least of, you know, of the last decade was stuff that was banned for woke, ridiculous bullshit, mm-hmm. but like the world over, typically the stuff that gets banned in most countries is stuff that kind of decries the, uh, the bad intentions or the negative outcomes of communism and <laughs> the extreme progressive leftist agenda type stuff. Like that's, that's the stuff that typically gets banned the world over, not uh, like the LGBTQ subsect of fiction and just of literature in general is fairly small and insignificant, honestly. I, I mean, it's not, it, it is, uh, it is representative of the community as a whole. It is a kind of a small subsect of, uh, of society. There's yeah. like, it's, this is the, this is the whole, uh, fascism is the ultimate evil. Communism is maybe good in theory, not so great in practice thing that, I mean, I was taught this in school and now it's not even maybe it's good on paper and not good in practice. Like it's actual, like, well, it wasn't tried the right way. So if we try communism the correct way, then let's, uh, let's start by shoving it down our kids' throats in every way possible. That's right. That's all those other guys who played Russian roulette and lost. They were playing the wrong way. Yeah. If you play it the right way, you do not blow your own brains out. 
That's uh, true. There was another point I wanted to make, but now I can't remember. You were talking about something that sparked. I don't know, come back to me. As well as uh, I looked at a few, I looked at a few other things that were like traditionally banned books for a lot of stuff. Uh, like, like here in the U.S., things that have been traditionally banned books. Yeah. Oh, no, um, I remember what I was going to talk about, but finish your point. Oh, go ahead. If you've got it, dude, hit it. No, I just think that uh, people have said before that there's like a Europe- Europeanization of America. And I think that's kind of like what we're seeing uh, happening in schools, especially, or as far as like materials that kids watch or read or whatever. But it was always like in Europe, nudity and like sex scenes for even like younger kids was considered more normal than I guess violence or like guns, especially. And where in America, like it was completely opposite where kids were used to seeing shoot 'em up cowboys, all this stuff. But like nudity was kind of a like, yeah, we don't we don't show that to our kids. And I think we're seeing the flip now to where obviously guns have been under attack, especially like for kids or everyone really um, for quite a long time now. But now we're seeing like a more normalization of like sexual scenes and nudity for kids um, at even younger ages, which is something that was happening in Europe, not so much over here, but now it's becoming more normalized over here. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I I guess. uh... And this is why Europe has really like unmanly men. So we got, (laughs) this is my own theory here, but there's gotta be some truth behind it. So like, I guess I never really think about that because my son, uh, we watch, we've watched like Deadpool and we watch different stuff and uh, some stuff that is, he's 13. And so we'll watch some things that like, I'll tell him straight up before we watch them. Like, this is more adult theme. Like we'll watch this together, but this is something that you should never watch by yourself. And like, I'll let you know when stuff is coming so that you can, and I, cause I always watch those ahead of time. Like, uh, like we watched invincible, the, cartoon series on uh, Amazon Prime that's based off of the the you know, comic comic book series and so like I watched it first to make sure that there wasn't anything that was going to be too like over the top because it was one of those things that if if I know it's more mature content but I think it's something that he would enjoy I watch it first to make sure that it's like going to be okay for him and so mm-hmm. like like the Daredevil series that was on Netflix a number of years ago like we're just now watching that because he was too young for it prior to really now. And, and even some of it is uh, a little bit may, may even still be a little too much for him at, at times. And we'll like, we'll, we'll take breaks from it and stuff, but like I try to be uh, responsible with the way that I handle that stuff. And, and even in, in that stuff, like if there's, if there's like a, a sex scene or something, like he'll get real squeamish and look away and cover his eyes and like he gets real weird about it. So that it's, it's hilarious, but it kind of makes me not think about that side of things. Cause I guess, I guess most kids probably don't respond to that the way he does, or they're maybe they're being more normalized to it than what he has been. And so so it creates a, a different reaction, and I, yeah. I don't really, I don't really think about that because most of my experience with this stuff is you know what I do with with my kids. Right. Uh, and let's think about like that. I mean, going off of that, let's think about like the context 
that we're talking about banning or restricting books or movies in schools. I mean, if a parent and their kids, like parents and their kids will sit down and watch 12 years of slave. Like I would rather that conversation come between the kids and their parents about like what they just watched, as opposed to a teacher putting on 12 years of slave and then inserting her own, you know, leftist propagandized opinion as to like what that movie means for her and what it should mean for society and all that. Right. And, and so like getting back to the, notice how I just made the teacher a woman. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's not uh, statistically, (laughs) that's not inaccurate. Uh, Like getting back to the original article. uh, One of the things that it kind of talks about is that some of these, kids who identify as LGBTQ plus uh, don't feel like they have an outlet for literature for their, their group and that they're scared to talk to their parents about it and stuff. Like, I don't know. That's, is that still a thing in today's society? I mean, all you gotta do is turn on a TV screen and I don't think that, like this is something that's being pervaded among <laughs> among the public, right? Like even like an adult like TV show that most people watch, like where a kid is afraid to come out, like the adult is always made to look or the parent is always made to look like an idiot if he's not accepting of that person. And this is probably has a hard effect on like most parents as around. So I don't think this is a real thing. If it is, it's very, very small minority. Right. And like the places that they're talking about are in, in in a lot of these articles are not like small local like small town schools and stuff like a lot of these are they're they're, they're talking about like big city type stuff uh, where these things are happening which is just it just seems asinine to me like I, it, it's it feels like the say this is going to go to some of our uh, morning show stuff but you know like the the ridiculous push for racism nonstop, like the, the demand outweighs the supply to such an extent that it's just manufactured. And that's kind of what this feels like. Like, yeah, like you said, like if you watch literally any television show, it doesn't matter what it is, literally any television show, there are multiple gay characters in every single show and without fail there are the themes are there and there's a good chance at this point, there's a trans character somewhere in the show like without fail. It just doesn't seem like that the, the demand or the, uh, the supply of hatred is keeping up with the, the demand for it from the, from the mainstream media and the, the corporate press, especially. So, so they're manufacturing it with stuff like this, with this book banning that, completely ignores the the real basis for why any of these books are banned to begin with. Yeah, I wish I had a picture to show you. My uh, my niece was looking for, she wanted a Ken for her Barbie. And so my brother, her dad, like brought her out shopping looking for Ken. I don't know if you've seen the modern day Ken. Ken looks like a pussy. Yes, there's no way that that dude is a dad. There's no way that he made a child with Barbie. Like that dude is married to a dude. And this, <laughs> and it's not like an attempt 
by the manufacturers of Barbie and Ken or whatever to make Ken look more modern. Like this is this is what they're trying to do with some of this like LGBT propaganda in schools. Like they're putting it on the television screen. They're making it into toys. Like, I don't know. I don't remember who said this, but like a more uh, like sexually um, confused, like public is like a more malleable public. And this comes to, they're easier to control. Like if we're more confused in these areas of our lives, we're easier to control in other areas of our lives. That sounds kind of, uh, I don't know, conspiratorial, but I mean, there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And yeah, they, uh, like, look what, look what groups of people (laughs) kind of like bought the COVID narrative hook, line and sinker. A lot of betas. Yeah. Well, and that's like like you were saying about the the Ken doll. Like that dude's getting friend zoned by Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he's taking her shopping and he's picking out her clothes for her. Right. And he's paying for it. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Barbie's bitch. That's not Barbie's boyfriend. Right. <laughs> and that's what society expects of us. Uh, they don't want us to have our luxurious beards and to be manly men they want us to be bitch boys and do whatever the feminists tell us we should uh oh so i was gonna talk about like some of the other like banned books that i found that are like on regularly on lists Mm -hmm. uh like some of them i didn't understand why like they they are books that i have read and uh some of them were like like 13 reasons why uh me earl and the dying girl and a lot of books that deal with um like depression and suicide and stuff like that in a really in a really deep and heavy way and like actually look at like the mental illness side of that Mm -hmm. uh a lot of that stuff gets banned which seems which seems weird like why would especially for if if you have high schoolers um like our episode with Carlos, you know, talking about how white kids are so much more likely to be suicidal and stuff like that, like especially high school aged. Um, if this is something that's legitimately going on and legitimate, legitimately a problem, which statistically you would, it, it appears as though it is, why don't they allow that stuff in schools? And the obvious answer to anybody who's not completely fucking brainwashed is because these books deal with very heavy topics in a, uh, in a, like in a very structured and analytical type of a fashion. And they bring up these topics where the kids are looking at it, thinking about it and, and having serious engagement with these ideas instead of just, going to a shrink and then being put on whatever antidepressant is making the pharmacy and the the shrink the most money and keeping everybody docile and drugged up for the rest of their fucking lives. Like you can't actually, uh, you can't actually solve your problems. You need to become a cog in the great pharmaceutical machine and just take your pills and, and be complacent. And compliant. Yeah. 
I remember once scrolling a list of band books. It might have been on Wikipedia. I'm not sure what, where I found it, but I kind of came to this realization that there is such a thing as the like establishment approved band book. So they're they're providing this list, thinking that it's okay if people like are privy to it and read one or two of the books on the list because it's still uh, like not something that they're afraid of people getting their hands on. Whereas there's me, there's a, there's a list out there where you have banned books that people don't, the, the, the establishment doesn't even want people to even like know of like, like this band, like it's sort of like I, we had a conversation about this in the chat. Like you think of someone like Noam Chomsky, like he's the establishment approved anarchist because he's still going to repeat <laughs> like mainstream talking points, but he's going to do it in his own almost dead 90 year old way, reminiscing about the old good old days when he used to be an anarchist or whatever. Like people aren't afraid of things that <laughs> Noam Chomsky has to say, but maybe someone else who can formulate, I don't know, like someone like Rothbard, like he's going to be someone that they want to silence more because he's actually saying things that like mean something to people. Right. Legitimate analysis and, yeah. uh, and, and ascertaining what the problem is and also delivering what potential solutions are like, those are, those are the ones that are, that, that don't get any type of, yeah. uh, and, and when they do get any type of publicity, it's to label people as domestic terrorists and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and some uh, of these banned like, books are like, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say like some of the banned books are like, uh, I saw a, funny meme and I wish I could, I was trying to find it and I, I, I can't find it. Uh, but it was a meme that said, you know, the, uh, the actual banned books aren't for sale at your corporately owned, uh, right. bookstore. Like, like, they <laughs> like don't Amazon's not table. selling a bundle of banned books. <laughs> right. They don't put them on a table at Barnes and Noble and say right. banned book, you know, banned book. These are banned books for sale. Like those aren't, those are actually banned books. I mean, Granted, for a handful of those, like Animal Farm, 1984, like some of those have been legitimately banned in other parts of the world, but like those aren't things that are considered yeah. as. Yeah, this is the point cool. I was going to make. Like sometimes they'll add a book to the banned book list that was banned from like one school in rural, like Kansas or whatever. Like it's appropriate everywhere else, but this one school banned it. And maybe they banned it in like 1867 or something. <laughs> and now the school's allowing it. They didn't actually like go through a process to where it was allowed back it just showed back up in the school and people are fine with it and like this goes to the whole like i'm not reading things that uh, i don't know that I, I don't see like characters that like look like me like okay i understand like a black kid in baltimore like wanting more books that have characters that look like them right but if this is like then proceeding to force rural indiana to put more books that Baltimore has like this makes no sense like this is not um this is like the whole egalitarian thing where it's like well everyone has to has to be reading reading the same stuff and all the same stuff has to be banned and everything for everyone it's like no this is not how things should be like this goes back to our talk with Carlos like certain communities are going to ban certain things and allow other things that other communities will and this is okay yeah and I mean like I was saying with with my kids, like there are certain things that with my son, we're not going to watch right now. Uh, there are certain things that 
I'm going to strongly recommend that he not watch or read until he is an adult or, you know, out of my care and is on his own to deal with it. Uh, because there are things that I don't think he should watch or read. And I mean, <laughs> there are things that I wish I hadn't watched or read, you know, <laughs> we all, we yeah. all kinda, you kind of live and learn on, on some of that stuff. But uh, there's that uh, test that you always learn in school or in college that were, was put on like white kids or whatever about the white doll and the black doll. I don't know if you remember this. Like they think it's super enlightening that a white kid is going to choose a white doll. So with the kid going back to the kin story, like there was the black kid and the white kin, and my niece is white, so she chose the white kin. And people would say, "Well, this is <laughs> this is indicative of like inherent white racism or whatever." Or it could be that she lives in a small town in Indiana where most of the people she sees are white, and this goes to like what books you might find in one library versus another. It kind of depends on the, the community that surrounds it. So I don't know how much experience you have with it, but uh, like if you go to a liquor store in a black community, you're going to find a lot different variety of stuff than you find at a liquor store in a more predominantly white community. Uh, same with a, like same with a gas station in a, that like a gas station in the hood is probably going to carry a lot more Salem's than they do uh, Marlboro Reds. Like, you know, they're, they're just, but all of that gets portrayed as somehow we always end up back on uh, us being racist anytime we do somehow. episodes together. But, <laughs> but, you know, like anytime you, you have stuff like that, like there are going to be certain demographic differences and that's the way schools should be like if you have a school community that like for instance i don't understand why mouse is something that they would ban in that tennessee school maybe they have the reasons maybe in that community they don't want that shown maybe they think it's too graphic for yeah. and and i don't know i didn't look super deep into it like if it's in an elementary school it's possible that that's a little bit too adult themed for elementary students I, I, like i think i think it was last year so he would have been in seventh grade was when my son brought it home and we looked at it and like maybe he's a little too young for that but he understood the themes of it he understood the ideas of it um, but you know, like he understood that stuff because it's things that i am interested in and talk about and so he he was aware of that type of stuff because he's my son so you know maybe in that community they didn't think that that was appropriate for kids of that age. I you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look, I didn't look deep enough into that particular situation, but yeah. like, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it should be on a case by case basis. And if there are certain schools that are banning that stuff and the kids know, like if the kids know that it's banned, there are other outlets to find it. There, are, there are public libraries. There are, there's Amazon. There are, you know, all kinds of places that you can go for that. So if anything, like if there are kids who are, have a particular interest in that, the fact that it's banned should drive them somewhere else. Not it, it should drive them to a higher level of search and inquiry and looking for it, looking into it. Like I kind of, while I don't agree with bands, I don't necessarily think they're a bad thing on a you know community by community basis. And 
and they could even be a good thing. And like, if that's something that that kid is actually sincerely interested in, then that gives them a motivation to go look more into it and, and like find everything they can from that author and like really dig into it and then, and then be able to provide a reasoning why it's not, uh, beneficial for that to be banned like don't just cry uh bigotry (laughs) right yeah it's kind of i have this controversial opinion that uh, no you have controversial opinion uh that like kids cheating in school isn't isn't such a bad thing all the time like of course if you gotta Like if you, if you have a kid like throwing a uh, nerdy kid up against the locker and be like, give me the answer to this test. So that's, that's cheating and cheating. But if he's like cheating in a more like sophisticated and clever way, like he might, he probably will like make it better in the real world than the kid who's following the rules to a T. All right. So There's you're pretty smart. I assume. Uh, I mean, you just from conversations we've had on, I know you are pretty smart. Did you engage in a uh, significant amount of cheating? Oh, I cheated in school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the smart kids are the ones who cheat. Like, I think uh, you have, like you have the really is called collaboration. The, <laughs> you have the really smart kids who don't cheat, and like they're kind of a drag on on everybody else. But, yeah, the like, Doctor Fauci's of the world. Yeah, right. But the actual smart kids. I cheated like a motherfucker. (laughs) We like the ones of us who are successful in across any field or uh, like across any field or venture that we've taken on in life. Like the ones of us who have made good money and made a real living off of just being smart. uh, We were the cheaters. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Rules are meant to be broken, and those who find a way to break them in like really clever ways are the ones who are going to make it in the world, right? That's right. I I mean, if you never figured out how to program every answer into your graphing calculator, were you even (laughs) paying attention to all of the programming options that a graphing calculator calculator had? (laughs) Now we got to do a whole show on like how we cheated in high school. (laughs) (sighs) Do you ever watch that movie Cheaters? Uh, where it was like this group that it was a group that was uh, like somehow they got the like the SAT answers and so they were uh, formulating a way to to cheat and like uh. writing answers on sticks of gum and then wrapping the gum back in the foil wrapper and then so they would take it out and then if the like if the observer happened to be coming by then you just pop the gum in your mouth and no one was ever the wiser or like all all kinds of it. You should, you, I, I don't know why I even bothered to ask if you had ever seen it. You don't, you haven't seen anything. <laughs> Go look it up. It's a lot of fun. Really good. Movie. My, my very first memory of uh, cheating in school. This is when you first like learn like basic multiplication. I had a pencil that had like, you know, one times one all the way to 10 times 10, like on the pencil. And it had like the answers, it had like the problem and the answer or whatever. And it was like an oral like test. And it was like, okay, what's five times five? And I just had this pencil that I was like discreetly like fiddling with below, like <laughs> like below the desk, you know, like finding the answer really quick. Didn't get caught. 
was an exhilarating experience for me. I don't know how old are you when you first start learning multiplication tables? Like this was second grade. Was I think. Yeah, so I was pretty young. <laughs> I had a uh, I had a term paper in high school that was on. I chose the topic of school vouchers, and I was working on writing a paper. And I happened to come across one that basically took my entire view on everything. So I effectively plagiarized it and like I moved stuff around and changed stuff around and everything. And it was a, it wasn't one that was easily available that you would find online, which this was, you know, early two thousands. So my uh, teacher wasn't very, uh, computer savvy anyway so it's not like he was going to but the problem was that you had to present your uh you had to present your paper and give your your reasoning for taking the position that you took in class which most of what the most of what the paper ascertained was the same opinions that i had so like i read through it and made sure that i had good arguments for everything and presented and defended my paper really well but it was also luckily a a topic that literally nobody else in the school had any interest in talking about. So <laughs> when it came time for like the Q and a portion of my presentation, even, even our teacher was like, yeah, we don't, nobody wants to talk about this. You can just, you can just go back to your seat. <laughs> like, so the, the trick is pick such a boring topic that nobody wants to ask you any questions about it. And there then, you go. And then you just get left alone and you can take your, take your B and move on with life. Just move on. Yeah, I had a kind of a similar experience in a college, you know, the college debates that they set up and like the the professor gives you the topic that you're supposed to debate and like like in support of or whatever. So I remember the debate was like, should math and science receive like heavier focus in schools than like English and the arts and these other subjects? And I was on the opposed side like so everything should receive like the same amount of focus and the people the people who wanted like who were arguing in favor of math science receiving a heavier focus got up and did their thing and the only thing that i said in this debate was i'm not arguing that math and science shouldn't be taught like it should be taught it just shouldn't receive a heavier focus so all this stuff that you just went through is a moot point to me because i agree with it and we just shouldn't like have a heavier weight on it and like, that's literally the only thing I said in the debate and all my like cohorts were going into like these deep analysis and everything and graphs and charts. And I got my thing back and the lady's just like, well, that's an A because that was a great sentence. <laughs> this is why I don't like, I don't, I, I've never like been one to debate. Like I'm not a huge like debate fan. Like I'm just going to say my thing and just leave it at that. Apparently the professor liked it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny. I had a, uh, I had a English comp class that you wrote op-eds on everything. Mm-hmm. And so he would give you topic or like for every day in class, he would put topics up on the board and he would ask what your opinion was on the topic. And then he would argue the the counter to it. That way it was good conversation. Like mm-hmm. it, because it was an 8 a.m. class. So typically nobody else in the class would participate with me. So it would just be me and him like arguing back and forth all, all class. Uh, and whatever, you know, whatever position I took, regardless of his personal opinion of it, he would always take the opposite. That way we could, you know, keep the conversation going. And we, he would he would actively try to get other people in the class to participate and they just never would. So or anytime they would, 
usually they would take a position opposite of what mine was. And so as soon as I would start in explaining my position and tearing theirs apart, they would just clam up and, and wouldn't, and wouldn't argue. So it was never any fun uh, arguing with the other students, but it was always a lot of fun arguing with him. So we had to do like these, these big term papers and it was supposed to be like a minimum 10 pages long. And mine was six. So, so when, so when everybody, <laughs> when everybody had turned them in, like he was going around and he would hand them back out. Uh, and so we had to do like at midterm, we had to turn in like our, our summary of it. And your summary was supposed to be like five to six pages long. And mine was three. And so he waited until like the very end. I was the last one he handed it back to and he gave me mine. And he said, this is an F. He said, you, you wrote three pages on what's supposed to be a minimum five to six pages. He said, like, this should be an F. I gave you a C because what you put in it is good. And I trust that your final paper is going to be excellent. I was like, well, I appreciate that because like I, I knew it was an F when I turned it in, but like <laughs> it, it is what it is. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't force it to be longer than what it was without just completely spoiling the entirety of the paper that I'm writing. Uh, so then when we did the, the final and I turned it in, supposed to be a minimum 10 pages and mine is six. He waited until the very end. I was the last one like he would because he would give your paper back and talk to you about it and then sit, let you go. So I was the last one. So I was the, the last one still in the room. That way nobody else could see that mine was like only this thick when everybody else had these like massive packets that they had turned in. <laughs> and so he, he gave my final paper to me and he said, he said, it's supposed to be a minimum 10 pages. He said, you could not have covered the, the topic any more effectively with an extra four pages. He was like, nothing that you, nothing else that you could have put in this would have been anything more than filler and bullshit. Like you, you completely laid out your side of the argument, the other side of the argument, why you're right, why they're wrong. Like there's nothing else that you could have added to this to get it to 10 pages without it just being filler and bullshit. He was like, so, so obviously this is an A, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to dock you for being pages short when you made a better argument in six pages than anybody else in the room made with 10 to 15 pages. So like, there is something to be said for that. Oh, Justin is uh, muting himself now because his dog is in the background. Apparently angry about that story about just to get an A for that paper. <laughs> it's the time of day that she decides she needs to bark at nothing. There is literally nothing outside. There is no one outside. It is about three o'clock in the afternoon. And that's when she loses her shit for no more reason than the sunshine wrong across the yard. I don't know. Like it is like clockwork. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to when we move. I'm hoping once we get moved that uh, whatever it is that happens to flash across the ghost that runs across the yard at three o'clock every afternoon won't be at this new house. And so she won't go into a parking tirade <laughs> at the exact I don't know. time. I, literally every she day. just, she strikes me as she wants to bark at the, the sky. like that Simpson picture of old angry man yells at a cloud. She would make a good libertarian. <laughs> We've come full circle. Well, I think we'll wrap on that. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> For anybody who is not aware, we actually have an episode of Los Libertinos with Carlos that is out today. And you should definitely go check that out. Uh, also, Mark and I do a morning show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday called The Morning After. I'm working on a graphic that hopefully, if not by the time this has come out by Friday, we will have a new morning show graphic to really put our white supremacy on full display. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> Mark, give your plugs again. I know anybody who's listened to this show a handful of times has gotten them at least twice, but go ahead and hit it again just for anybody who might be new. Not that I actually pick up new listeners ever, but, you know. It's yeah, so <laughs> it's just markmetz.substack.com. Uh, it's the emergent newsletter. Uh, I haven't posted something in like two weeks, and I have this like creeping anxiety within me that I have to get something out there. Experiencing a little bit of a writer's block right now, but hopefully it will get something out. That's, see, that's uh, why I keep week. bringing it up, trying to push you into doing something. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is like a January thing for me. I don't know. It seems like seasonal where January is like a struggling, like writing month for me. I guess we're more in February now, so I got to get out of it. Yep, <laughs> um, yeah, so, what's that? Got to break out of that funk. Yeah, I'm trying. We'll get there. Um, so yeah, subscribe to that. It's not defunct. I promise there's still going to be <laughs> stuff going up on that. And then at real Mark Metz on Twitter. And thank you, everybody, for joining me yet again. Be sure to check us out on the morning after and check us out over on Los Libertinos with Carlos. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week. And I will be back on Monday with another episode where I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about, but we will wing it. And I'm sure it'll be fantastic. And if not, feel free to let me know. Thanks. Thanks.